Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Hardly Millennial Podcast, where we are young, dumb, and full of opinions. Opinions, that is right. You heard it here first. Again, my name is Adam Hansen. And and I'm Matthew Lynn. And that's Matthew Lynn. And we're really excited to be here with you guys again today. Uh, Really quick, uh, shout out to my good friend Kyle, who put $20 in the jar for us yesterday. Thank you so much, Kyle. You rock, bro. Yeah, he's an active listener. He writes comments on a lot of our videos. Everybody could take... A uh, page out of the book of Kyle. The book of Kyle? The book of Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great guy. He's shown a lot of support to the millennials over the last week since mm-hmm. our launch. Um, yeah, we can't thank you enough, man. Yeah. We're, we're happy to have you on this journey with us. And one day when we have a little more equipment, uh, we'll have him on as a guest on the me- podcast. And you guys can all meet Kyle. <laughs> yeah, we can't wait to meet Kyle. Yeah, it'll be great. Uh, so, yeah, shout out to you, Kyle. Um, what do we have as topics today, Matthew? As our topics today, well, we're we're all over the spectrum today, guys. <laughs> um, so here's the deal. Uh, Adam got woken up, let's say, prematurely this morning. Yes. Um, and he has been quietly on one the whole morning. Just quietly. Very quietly. He's keeping it to himself, except he's I'm, also sharing it with me. My brain's just in a fog. So we had a tough time uh, thinking of topics for you today, but we came up with a few. We came up and with I a think, few. And I think that we can make this work, guys. I think we'll get going with it. So one thing I did want to ask you, as I was sitting on the couch contemplating my life and the different things going on in it, I realized that we're at a point with Hardly Millennial, man, where we have about 50 consecutive viewers that are watching all of these podcasts. That's true. It's awesome. Uh, which is crazy. We did not think after a week we would have a following of 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, 50 plus. So it got me thinking, what if there were actually like 50 human beings in the room with you that would just follow you anywhere? Where where do you go, Adam? <laughs> where, what do you do with that? Well, Matthew, that is called a cult. Is and it a cult? It's just a, it's just a following if, at first. Well, at first, I guess it's a following. Everything it's whatever you make it. You want to make it a cult? Oh, well, I mean, like, is it a cult where like everybody just kind of follows around one person and? Or well, is I that mean, like it could be an entourage. Groupies, entourage. Yeah, there's I'm a lot an of words entourage for it. of fifty people. Where do we go? Where do we go? We probably go visit some theme parks. You going to the theme park? Why the heck not? Interesting. If I have 50 followers following me everywhere, I'm assuming I have the money and influence to receive such followers. I could just buy everybody tickets to Disneyland and go chill. That would be expensive. It would be expensive, but I'll be rich. So that's the only. That's you're the only assuming s- if you had 50 real life people so you're following just you, you'd right be rich. Now, if poor Adam had 50 <laughs> I mean, followers, like, if you open the door of the studio and you walk out into the front lobby, and it, I made it sound like we have a whole different building we shoot in, we really don't. <laughs> if you walk in the living room and there's 50 people, like Adam, where are we going? Uh, and assuming you don't have to work today, of course. Of course, of course. Where are we going? Uh, I don't know, actually. 
I thought of a very specific plan. I've never thought of any scenario like that. Really? Where would I know? Like, where would I take just a bunch of people? Is it weird that I think of it pretty often, I don't think it's weird. I think it's just a thought I have not thought of before. Well, here's what I would do. Okay, what would you do? So, (laughs) the first thing I thought is I would walk up and down the street and knock on everyone's door and ask if they had any yard work that they needed done. Okay. And I would just use my 50 followers as a crew to clean yards oh truly capitalizing for 75 dollars a yard and well i mean yeah the first thing i'm going to do if i have 50 people are going to do anything for me i'm gonna start a business Mm -hmm. absolutely i'm not going to a theme park it's crazy touche well, I guess I like two, the idea of that. I though. guess there's two different kinds of people, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> Let's all go to Disneyland. I'm gonna put you guys to work. Yeah, I got a hundred hands, man. That's, that's a lot of hands. That is a lot of hands. I really, I mean, it, I mean, they're willing to follow you. I'm sure they'll do some yard work for you. Pick up some leaves, do some raking, some mowing. You could just like stand in the middle of the street uh-huh. and not let any cars go by, and just see how long it takes before like the whole town is in an uproar. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I don't think, think that's technically an illegal thing did, to do is did, it to stand in the middle of the road to stand there yes but you're not hurting anyone it's still illegal it's if jaywalking is illegal standing in the middle of the road is illegal okay well if you find a crosswalk you just stand in the middle of the crosswalk well if the the light is green at the crosswalk i'm pretty sure at that point it's a, a federal not a federal offense but you're breaking the but, law but pedestrians always have the right of way you have to stop for a pedestrian well sure you have to stop but it doesn't mean that it's against the law it's not against the law for them to do it you just can't kill them when they're in that situation you're you're not allowed to run them over i don't think they can arrest you for standing in the street yes they can can they absolutely otherwise more people would do it huh 100 dude okay so this happened. what if you were protesting don't you have a right to protest what if you had a sign well, they've that's happened, and cops always end up coming and dispersing it. That's true. They don't so, call it arresting; they call it dispersing. Yeah, I mean, in those cases, though, like if you have a group of people who are protesting and stuff like that, I feel like they're just like go home, or we will start arresting people, and that everybody kind of leaves. If you're one single person doing, it, you're totally getting arrested. Did you hear about that group of people, the pink protesters? Uh, just pro- recently. Yeah, I want to say it was in the Netherlands, but I'm not okay. totally 100% sure. But I think it was in a European They're country. They're called the pink protesters? Well, that's what they got dubbed. Yeah. Oh, okay. So what they did is they went to this airport uh-huh. where, like, there was a flight that was going to take a bunch of um, immigrants who had been found, I guess, guilty of being in which- whichever country it was um, incorrectly. They were, they were illegally in the country. So they were going to send them back to um, where they came from, I guess. Okay. So they had this flight, and they were ready to go. And these group of people, there was like 20 of them or something, 20 or 30 of them, they like cut the fence with fence cutters and got into this airport and ran up on the tarmac and then laid underneath the plane so it couldn't Uh take off. And they laid there for like eight hours or something crazy, eight or 12 hours or something. And it was long enough that the plane actually got... Um, delayed, like they couldn't take off. Right. And um, so, of course, like they just took off the next day, right, and took <laughs> right. everyone home. Yeah. But it was like this crazy victory for them, and they all got in a lot of trouble. Like right. they got arrested, and then they're all like facing um, long sentences now hmm. because they obstructed the airport. You can't do well, that. Yeah. Right? Well, that's the same thing that happens <laughs> with traffic. You're obstructing traffic. You can't do that shit. <laughs> well, but here's the thing: they actually 
um, there was at least one case on the, on that plane uh-huh. where because of the delay, they were able to get a hold of the court and they got another trial and they were actually allowed to stay in the Netherlands or whatever, whatever country it was they were in. Right. The the people actually got to stay. So the pink protesters were like, yay, we, we saved a life. I mean, I guess that just proves that, you know, it doesn't really matter what you do. It just matters whether or not people like you. People like you, it seems like you can just get away with anything, honestly. Or you'll have people who stand up for you. I mean, you I don't do, think they're going to get away with this. I think they're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, but they got what they wanted at the end of it, didn't they? Wasn't the whole point to make sure this guy stayed in the country? Well, there was like 100 plus people on the plane, and one guy got to stay. Right. But I mean, it was it's better than none, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess it worked out that's a little victory bit. depending how you look at it, right? Yeah. You know? But, but they all, oh, and the reason they were pink, they all dressed up in um, pink. What was the reasoning for that? I think just so that they all were like uniform. Oh, well, good yeah. good for them. Was that in the Netherlands you said? I really think it was, but I'm not I'm not positive. But I do think it was the Netherlands. Protesting seems to be like a, just such a fad these a fad. days. Yeah, like it's like a, this trend. Like I just feel like everybody's protesting everything anymore. Like there's just always some kind of protest going on. We I mean yeah, yeah, it's it's a right. It's a beautiful thing to practice. Well, I'm not I'm not saying it's not a beautiful thing to practice. I think that's not a right. It. I'm just saying the the amount of people protesting today as opposed to maybe like 10, 15 years ago is I feel like just this dramatic increase. You know, there's, it's there's interesting always marches, you say that. there's always protests, there's always and sometimes I don't even know like what the what people are hoping from these like protests and results. People will march, but nobody's like I don't know. I just feel like protesting is just almost like a fad anymore. There's well, I just think so many that people who protest about anything. I, I think first of all that there's more news coverage now than ever. Uh-huh. And that's why so I think the same amount of protesting is probably going on, but we're mm-hmm. hearing a lot more about it. Mm. But it's interesting cuz that's that's a take you can use on anything about the news. Right. Everyone always says, "Oh, the news is so negative." So neg and I mean it is. Right. People dwell on negative more. There's been experiments done on the brain. The brain prefers to remember negative things so mm-hmm. that it doesn't do it again. Um, so they do sell a lot of like commercial time with these negative ads and stories, but also I don't think there's more negativity happening in the world. I think we just have much quicker, almost instant access to it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So more instances can be covered within one day than ever before. I I would s- I would agree with you on the front that I think it's due to news coverage, but I don't think the same amount of protesting has always been happening and we're just covering more of it. No? What, no. What I think is happening is because of the kind of access we have to news now and different everybody can film instances and moments on their phones now, I think we're... A lot of us are like kids in a candy shop. We walk in and we're, we're just like, we don't know what to get. We don't know what to eat. <laughs> so there's like all of these things that people feel strongly about and want to fight for. So it's like, you know, today we're going to fight for this. And then, oh, but there's also this we have to protest. Oh, and there's also this that's really wrong that we have to march about. And I feel like it's happening like that. And nobody's really focusing on one because there's so many that people feel so strongly about. That's like, oh, we're do, gonna do this now. We're gonna do this now. Don't do those people have jobs? I mean, like, they have to, right? Think if you wanted to go out and protest, right? Like, mm-hmm. it either has to perfectly work out that it's on your day off, right? Which you get one of a week, uh huh. 
or you got to call out to go to the protest. You can't do that. Well, I don't think I don't think anybody. I mean, I'm sure some people call out of work, but usually these protests, uh, most of them, I should say, are usually planned like ahead. Like I have, uh, I've known, I have people I work with and even friends who have gone to some of these protests and marches and things like that. And they've known they're going to them for weeks in advance. Oh, so they they like schedule it. Yeah, they're usually scheduled. Well, even still like protest and march and everything, you have the right to do it, but you still have to like get a permit. Like let's say that you're trying to march down certain roads, like those roads have to be closed for you. Like, See, I feel like a true, a good protest, one that really works, should be spontaneous. Well, absolutely. It should be like, we just heard this news. We're pissed off. Let's go protest right now. Because otherwise, if you're like, we're going to be upset a week from now, maybe I got over it in the week. But see, but that's why I think right now protesting has kind of become a fad. Because I feel like, especially during the 2016 presidential election year, I feel like there were a lot of spontaneous protests that happened. But the problem was there were so many of them happening all over the country for different reasons where it's hard for somebody to focus on one and then move to this one. And and it it was kind of like the conversation we had about the kids who would walk out of school but did it on a school day. Oh, yeah. So it creates this perception of, oh, you're just trying to get out of school. Well, I feel like it's the same kind of thing. It's like we, yeah, sure, you guys all feel very strongly about these things that have caused you to spontaneously protest and riot. But, you know. I don't condone rioting. Yeah. Not riot. Yeah. But the boy, you know, the boy (laughs) who cried wolf, at one point people just stopped believing him. And when you have everybody doing it so many times for so many reasons, it takes away the. Yeah, it takes away the validity from all of them. School shootings are a perfect example. I remember I was, gosh, how old was I? Maybe like eight or nine when the Calabine scoot shooting happened back in like a the, That's like the OG one. For a long right. time, that was like the only one that we talked about. Well, and that's my point. I remember, I remember even as a little kid in elementary school, like I knew that happened. I knew what, how big of a deal it was. And everybody was just up in arms about that two kids would take a gun to school and shoot each other, you know, and shoot other fellow classmates. Yeah. But now look, look at the society we live in where these shootings and specifically school shootings happen so often where it's every time we go through our phones and see an article of the school shooting it's like oh well that happened again today but i think that it doesn't like so for all of us watching the news we get desensitized to it right but i think even if you've seen a hundred news articles on it and then you're involved in one right one actually happens at your school yes so now all of a sudden it gets super real. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden you're extremely passionate about it. Yeah. You probably know people who were affected. It means a lot in your life now. It right. holds a lot of value to you. So you're going to be an advocate of it not happening again. Yeah, of course. Right? So I can totally see how like every instance is still really important and has a lot of weight mm-hmm. to the people involved. Absolutely. But for the rest of us who will go our entire lives never being involved in something like mm-hmm. that, it's not that we're sick of hearing about it. It's that we're just so used to hearing about it that it's lost its, oh my gosh. It's, right. We're still passionate. We're still compassionate about it. But when you hear about it three times a month for a year, Mm -hmm. it's just, it becomes just another one. Well, and that's how I feel about 
protesting specifically. And that's why I feel that we've reached a point where if any group of people that feel strongly about something, the way that something's done, and if they want to get that change, whether it's a law or a policy or hell, even the Constitution, unfortunately, because of what protesting and just what you described, the uh, the desensitization from all that stuff, like protesting just doesn't work anymore. You know, when when was the last time that you've you've seen one of these women's marches or one of these Trump protests or whatever it, whatever the, the protest is for actually changed the thing well, that they're trying the to protest? The only one that I've ever been taught actually worked is the civil rights movement. Martin is that Luther the King only one that I've ever been widely taught achieved anything? Mm. Every other protest that I personally have ever known of or been taught about it didn't accomplish anything. Um, not to say that there haven't been huge accomplishments. I'm sure there are. I'm I'm definitely not versed in every uh, instance of it that's ever happened. Right. But as far as I know, I can't... Martin Luther King is the only one who did it. I mean, I can't think of another one either, but just as you said, I I feel like there is another one out there. that still took like years. It was still a long time. It wasn't just one or two protests. Well, wasn't the turning point a... uh, And I mean, I'm not well-versed in history of any sort shame on us but i mean isn't this literally black history month i think so yeah. oh my gosh the internet's gonna kill us <laughs> but there was a there was a specific peaceful march he did i felt that was the turning point where it was just them walking from one point to another and I, they, well they marched on the capitol with like a million people right but and i they think filled up the whole capitol i think this was before like, that the, though the lincoln monument or whatever they yeah. filled up that whole thing I think this was before that, though. I can't well, remember. Well, I think all of but... his protests were peaceful, bro. That was his whole thing. Because they would, like, the police would be really mean to them. They would, like, hurt them and attack them. And, like, the people were always peaceful about it. Right. That's how they, like, ga- they kept their credibility, is that they never fought back. The problem is, though, is, you're right, because they didn't fight back. But the reason why it was so successful is because people fought them. So it really makes exactly. the enemy look more like an enemy. The exactly. problem with these protests... He was smart. He knew that. Martin yeah, Luther King knew that. absolutely. And the problem with these protests is, you know, there are these peaceful marches that happen and everything, but nobody really feels strongly towards, yeah, the, right. towards the opposite to want to fight against them, to say they no. Always, dude, they always paint the picture of... Look at the last one we just saw with the Native American man... And the young kid who, oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, the yeah. only the thing the news kid, showed yeah. was the screaming that happened between that when the kid was screaming at the, at the, uh, elder guy. Right. That all these reports came out about how the other side and was And then you actually look and... into it and you find out there was a lot more going on yeah. than just that 30 seconds. A lot of gray right? area. So I don't think there are very many more like peaceful protests anymore. Yeah. A lot just... of times it turns into screaming matches. It turns into... A pissing contest. Yeah, well, and that's why I think the validity of protests have, have disappeared just because of that. You know, it, it's almost True. become a social thing to do with your friends, I feel like, especially with the younger crowd. So my mom and dad are both uh, from France, uh-huh. right? Well, my mom was born in France. My dad lived in France for a long time. Right. And um, they always taught me that, like, when they were younger and growing up in France, the French people are, protest very differently than we okay. do here. So what they'll do in France is they have a lot of groups of workers. So uh-huh. like what we call unions here. So like all of the truckers are a big group there. All of the grocery workers are a big group. And they, they fight for their rights. Okay? Right. So if there's a law that comes out that says 
we're going to increase the fuel tax, okay? And the truckers are pissed. They will literally stop driving their trucks. They will literally park them in the middle of the road so no one can drive by, and they'll just stay home, and they won't go to work. I think truckers did that here a few years back. <laughs> but everyone will do it. They'll literally yeah. they'll put up blockades in the street. They'll, they'll stack tires up so that mm. no one can go through the streets. Um, they don't. They don't march with signs and stuff as much as we do. But they'll just. They, they just, just won't make go an to work. inconvenience for people. They'll totally yeah. shut down whatever industry it is, mm-hmm. and it's just. It's not a law or anything, but it's like a social obligation. Right. Everyone just knows if your group strikes, you just do it with them. It's part of your society. See, and that's another thing with protests. I feel like when you are a trucker within a trucker union. And there's a rise in fuel tax and you you guys as a trucker union do not like that. Well, the proper way to protest to get something done is take these trucks that are that you have to pay more higher taxes on now, park them in the middle of the street and make it inconvenient for people. Right. Oh, and yeah. that got people's attention. Right. Well, it's a big deal. So what I see now with protesting and this goes back to the 2016 election, I remember shortly after uh, Trump was elected i believe there was a group of people in los angeles who were protesting trump and their way of doing it was going onto the 405 and you know about the traffic in los angeles and creating this blockade so that no cars could pass oh yeah so now you're making sure that people can't get home you're making sure that people have to stay in traffic two hours longer than they're already three hours it's deeper than that the food doesn't get to the grocery stores exactly the the ice doesn't get to the restaurant so it's, it's a big deal so in the case of protesting the president of the United States blocking a road is not going to be what people listen to you know now you just look like an asshole so there's a right, right. and a wrong way to protest I just think it's done for the wrong reasons a lot anymore and that's well, in the wrong way a I'll lot of the you, times it turns in, into riots in the case of France um, more often than not very quickly they get the results that they're looking for yeah like within the first few weeks they usually get the result that they want that does not surprise me at all I think when the truckers did it here, because I do remember there was an instance, I think it was like five, six years ago I ble- now. I, I kind of remember it. But there bit. was a truckers union strike, and they did just that. They all, I think it was all like in one area that it happened, because I think it was just like a statewide thing for these uh, truckers. But I remember all the truckers in that state were like driving their cars out into the middle of the highway and then just, just parking, parking them there. Yeah. Just bye. Yeah, exactly. And they were parking, getting out of their truck and just walking away. (laughs) So it's amazing if you do a little research into the trucking industry, how reliant a country like America still is on 18 wheelers driving things around. Like if the trucking stopped, it would literally shut down everything. You wouldn't be able to go anywhere. You couldn't go to the bookstore and get books. You couldn't go to the grocery store and get food. There, there's just nothing. Even, even on one that goes even more so unnoticed. Like people don't understand how important trains still are. I was just thinking that trains are huge. Like dude. trains are still huge. So the trains move it from like state to state, mm-hmm. and then the trucks will take it off the train and disperse it from there. Exactly. And so I've actually, I really like the shows like Doomsday Preppers, yeah, and stuff like that. So everyone always finds a hole mm-hmm. or a vault or something, right? And they dig and they. They go and have their little shelter underground. Right. There was one guy I watched that decked out an 18-wheeler. 
So we made it all like bulletproof and like sturdy, ready to oh, go. It had man. this big ram in the front of it so it could like <laughs> get through obstacles. Oh, wow. Um, he put like a garbage truck arm on the top so it could like reach down and pick shit up from in front of it and like throw it over it. Woo, that man and, is preparing for the worst. But his whole philosophy, he was a truck driver. Right. And he said when, if the shit ever hits the fan and the trucking goes down, he'll be the only guy who can move stuff from one place to another. Or right. him and a small group of the who got ready for it would keep it going. So I guess there are a few people out there who think about that. And, you know, even if it goes totally south, they'll keep trucking for us. You know, it's funny. We, we make fun of the doomsday preppers sometimes. But really, if shit does hit the fan for the a world... Joke's on us, huh? They're, yeah, they're, they're the ones continuing the human race. <laughs> My dad actually always said he had a joke that <laughs> I have to rephrase the way that he would say it because he was kind of insensitive about it. <laughs> um, he would say basically there's all these people who are doomsday prepping, right? So you got a garage full of supplies, okay? And all that's going to happen when the world actually goes down the shitter is 12 guys with rifles are going to come to your house and steal it. Mm-hmm. You know, So really all these people are just prepping for the rest of us who are just going to go take all their stuff. Well, yeah, that's... I mean, come on. That's not entirely untrue. Right? Like, what are you going to do against 12 guys with guns? Yeah, exactly. Not a lot. Especially when you're a family of, like, four. Not a lot. And you're just... I find a Walmart. Oh, yeah. I go to Walmart, I buckle down, dude. There's actually a book series I really enjoy called... I want to say it's called Monument 14. And it's about these kids... ranging anywhere from like five to like 16, right? Oh, cool. That were on their way to school all on the same bus in the morning. And while they were on their way to school, shit hit the fan. And basically there was like chemical, not chemical warfare, but like stuff you would see in chemical warfare got like released into the air, right? Yeah, yeah. And so they all had to find shelter. Well, something happened to the bus driver and all these kids went to, in the book it was called something different, but it was a Walmart, right? It was a superstore. Yeah. And they, and they like just put up camp in the superstore and the entire book is just about like what they were doing, how like they kind of, how some so, kids went off and did their own thing and they had to take care of the little kids. And it, it was very in interesting. The book, were they the only ones at the Walmart or were there other people? Who they were the there? only ones. Oh, see, that's a perfect world. So it was just the issue kids. with Walmart is everyone's going there. Yeah. I think the real survivors, the ones who actually would make it are the ones who go out into like, the hills. Yeah. Like, get the hell away from civilization. Get away from the town. Yeah. Go out in the desert. Go out in the forest for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And then you come back. That's what they did in uh, in The Walking Dead, right? They chilled Was in the it? camper. The whole first season, they were in the little village camper trailer. I never watched a lot of Walking Dead. Oh, shame on you. I know. Oh, man. I've you liked... just said that on the internet. I know. Adam. Oh, a lot of the big shows. I Why would you say seen. something like, oh, well, that'll get us some comments I haven't, for sure. I haven't seen Game of Thrones either. <gasps> I know. Adam. I know. It's so good. I know. Oh. I've never really been into the medieval stuff. The, so the I dragon did, princess is my favorite. I did I love see her. I did see the. She's f- a queen, I think. Khaleesi. Are you talking about the blonde one? Yeah, I'm talking about the blonde oh, one. Okay, of course I'm talking about the blonde <laughs> one. I think I saw, or not. I think I know I saw the, the whole first season, and I was able to get through half of the second season. You know what's funny about the first season? What? 
I guess I could just say it. Everyone's seen it by now. So most of the main characters that you fall in love with the first season, they die. They're not even there for the second Oh, one. yeah. No, don't get me wrong. When... <laughs> they do a huge purge at the end of the first season and just kill oh, everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, so I saw all the first season. So I remember Sean Bean was in it, and he was like the main guy. He was the king, right? Of... The dude with the black hair. Not the king. He was oh. like a friend of the king, though. He was the one who had like Arya as a daughter and... I can't remember. Yeah, that's their... what I'm talking about. The King of the North. Well, he's not the King of the North, but yeah, I, we're talking you... about the same guy. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. The one that they behead. They cut yes, the yes, 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 yes. That, that guy. guy. So talk about the same guy. I was, I was. It was definitely a what the fuck moment when that happened. They spent the whole mm-hmm. season setting up his character. Like, okay, now you're gonna get twelve more seasons of him. Psych. Yep. Head chopped off. Yep. He doesn't matter anymore. And that just became a trend for Game of Thrones at that point. I didn't I did enjoy the show. I did enjoy the show. But there are funny enough, the two very popular shows out right now have to do with subjects that I don't really have much interest in. So what like so like The Walking Dead is out, but I've never been into the zombie thing. Really? Yeah, it's I just, feel like I've never met a person who wasn't into zombies. No, I mean I've seen a couple and I do appreciate I have seen uh of quite a few episodes of Walking Dead just from interact being with other people and they're watching it and things and I do enjoy it. They do have some powerful That's writing one in that where show. The whole cast is dead now. Yeah. They've just murdered everyone. But powerful writing in that show. It, as far as zombie stuff is concerned, that's a that's a good one. But same thing with Game of Thrones. I've just never been into the medieval stuff. How do you not like dragons and swords and armor? I, I and... do like those things, but I don't like them in the context of like medieval. I like them in the context of like more fantasy stuff. So like more like Harry Potter, like you see that stuff in Final Fantasy kind of stuff. I like that kind of shit. But, like the sci-fi? But like the medieval one? taking place back in like the whatever 14th really? century and shit. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I'm fascinated with that. No, I've never been into that stuff. I even love the music. Like, you know the lute? Like that little bitty guitar that the bards used to like. Oh, see, and I do hate the that. Like the, do, 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 yeah, see, I hate I that. I love it. I hate it. Oh, dude, crazy. Yeah. Like like that kind of music. Not necessarily I hate the like Renaissance, like medieval stuff. I just just never had much interest in it. I'm amazed. I had no idea. Yeah. A lot of people are amazed. There's a lot of little things like that where people are like, what? You don't do you like dragons? Oh, I love dragons. I fucking love dragons. They're dope. I love the fuck out of dragons. (laughs) Ice or fire. But probably ice. Yeah, just yeah. to be different. No, I think I've just always seen like dragons through the years that I've seen or come across or come across like I know a few dragons. <laughs> but but no, like okay, so perfect example is when I was in uh elementary school, my teacher and I've never been able to find this book since, but she had this book and it was just like the book of dragons. And that every sounds amazing. And every page was just a different illustration of a dragon, and it was just this author's depiction of what different breeds of dragon were. I want that book. Yeah, it was that sounds great. so cool. Oh, it was so fun. And I remember there were two dragons that I really liked. There was like this ice dragon. Yeah. I was super into. Yeah. And then there was this one dragon that I don't think was like necessarily a fire or any kind of elemental dragon, but I just remember it was like all gold. And it had like the face of one of those like old school Chinese dragons with the little oh. beard and the kind of the square face and everything. But this is gonna step on some toes. I know it is. Hmm. I'm not into the Asian dragon. Like oh, you're the, not the Far East depiction of the dragon. Talk about the thing that looks like kind of a long snake. Uh, 
those things. Not into it. Really? Yeah, I'm old school. I like the European dragon. I like the big, girthy, scaly, breeds fucking fire. I like I like both. I think they both have their own kind of. I actually like the Japanese uh, dragons more so than the Chinese ones, which are both kind of like that snake-like dragon. But usually the the Japanese ones have more of a. I don't know how to describe Badassery. it. Not even so much badassery, just more like you're, so. You're talking. We're we're talking about like think of the the dragons from uh, from China. Those with like, like the Mushu. big yeah, kind of like Mushu with the big like square. But I'm talking about specifically with like the big square heads and stuff oh, yeah, they're yeah. used in gotcha. festivals. Gotcha, gotcha. Compared to like Shenron from Dragon Ball Z, is more Shenron's of like yeah, and that's more of like the Japanese kind of style dragon with the big whiskers. And, oh yeah, like the yeah. like the wise dragon. Yeah, yeah, that stuff. Like a those Falcor, guys are you know? I like that. So I've only very recently in my life, like the last year, really gotten in touch with my Japanese roots. Oh yes, yes. Tell us more. <clears throat> well, for the longest time growing, anyone who's listening who knew me at a younger age, I was never um, very inspired mm-hmm. by. Eastern traditions, uh, Eastern being Asian. Like, I, I I just wasn't super into the culture. I don't really like the writing. I don't really like the style of architecture. I mm-hmm. just, no, nothing about it really shouted out to me. I, I didn't hate by any means. I didn't wish any ill will on anyone. Right. I, just, I just wasn't particularly enthusiastic about Asian styles. Okay. But then <sighs> I moved out of my parents' house uh-huh. and I moved into the real world. Right. And I met people who showed me pictures of the real world. <laughs> and I started to learn about this island called yes. Japan. Uh, yes. And it's a mythical fairy tale land, Adam. <laughs> it's amazing. You've actually brought up Japan before on the podcast. Have I? Yeah. Oh, how funny, ever, guys. Ever, I love it. Ever since. So I've wanted to go to Japan my whole life. I've done countless school reports on it. I know a lot about it. And I showed Matthew one or two videos of like what's going on in Japan. And Matthew just instantly has fallen in love. Oh, my God, guys. It is incredible. So we all know the cherry blossoms, obviously. Right. Like, can you imagine? Just as far as the eye can see, mm-hmm. just beautiful white and pink flowers all yeah. over everything. Just look up some pictures, guys. You, it's, there's nothing else like it anywhere in the world. It's totally its own thing. One day we'll go there and we'll vlog about it. And we'll... I hear it's really expensive. Yeah, it's definitely something that will take saving up. It's not a cheap yeah. trick. They are not foreign. Cheap Japan. trick. They're it's not a cheap okay. trick. But. So one thing I've heard of Japan, though, and I don't know a lot about it, uh-huh. is that, like, their population is getting old. So, like, they, they don't have a lot of babies anymore like they used to. Not as much as they used to. Mm-hmm. And the population is, like, out-aging itself. So if they're not careful, they're going to have not enough people of childbearing age to keep up with the amount of people who are getting elderly and dying. So the population will start to decrease. It's funny. I haven't heard that. But what I have heard is that Japan has the largest population of the oldest people. So like there are parts of Japan with older people who live there that are like, like well over, like not well over, but over 100 years old. And there, I think there's a specific island off the coast of Japan somewhere where it's like dubbed the island of the elder people or something like that. And it's just a bunch of people who are super old. <laughs> they just yeah, live I, super long. I, 
and I, I, I think that that probably coincides with a lower birth rate, mm-hmm. um, which equals out to it's becoming an issue, a right. population issue. Everyone's getting too old. They're living too long. They're not having mm-hmm. enough babies. It's not a good equation, man. No, I mean... And they're, they're not super isolated, but they're kind of isolated. Well, no, I mean... Yeah, I mean, there's. I guess there's not a lot of people you meet who are constantly going to like vacation there or visiting there often, you know. But so you don't really hear a lot not about at least it. not in, not not in Arizona, not in Arizona, but not in our little corner of the woods. Well, and the thing with a lot of the news that you hear anymore is about foreign affairs. You know, is is the U.S. colluding with Russia? What's happening in the Middle East? The border up with between Mexico, right? Oh, Japan's yeah. never really a part of any of that news. Oh, I think Japan's our homies, dude. Oh yeah, I think we love Japan. Oh yeah, yeah. We get a lot without them. We wouldn't have a lot of the electronics that we have. <laughs> I was just gonna say they're like America's laptop. Yeah, absolutely. They're like we just right off the shore. We keep our laptop, mm-hmm. and anytime we need to go on there, we yep. can. Everything we have, aside from Apple, but like Samsung, that's all. Ju- Apple's America, right? That came from us. Yes. That's right. That's right. Woo! I think yeah, Microsoft is too. Yeah, they did come from, yeah, Microsoft. A lot of the leading ones actually did, but. Well, the leading ones in the U.S. Yeah. I, I, mean, th- I think they lead everywhere, though. Yeah, a lot of places, I feel like. They, they'd have to. Well, they're not leading in China. That's a pretty big thing in the Well, US. yeah, not in China. China that's... has its own Apple that's in a lot of trouble Yeah, but right they're now. still a commie country, so that doesn't. Surprise I don't know me. anything about that. You don't know Absolutely anything about zero. that? I don't know anything about communists or communism or any of that stuff. Well, it's basically just extreme They socialism. like the color red, right? They like the, they color, love the red. color red. Yeah, they got that. I think it's the sickle and the... Not to be confused with Republicans who also like the color red. <laughs> yes. And that's literally as much as I know about that. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a conversation for another day. We can talk about communism. So recent development in the millennial household... Um, we have some family coming in from out of town this mm-hmm. weekend. And um, some of us in the house are a little more nervous than others. Some of us are excited. <laughs> um, and it just got me to thinking, you know, we've all had family come in from out of town, and we felt different ways about them. Sometimes you're really excited. Mm-hmm. I feel like more often than not, you're less excited. Right. Right? No one really loves when family comes in from out of town, usually. Mm. Um, So how do you deal with something like that? What's the best way to um, survive family visiting? Well, I have personally never really minded it, nor have I ever dreaded having somebody. You do? Yeah, the ones that, like, stay in contact with us and come to those kind of events and everything. Like, even – so I see a lot of my dad's side a lot more often because a lot of them are in Arizona or closer. Like, I'm really close to my uh, cousin out in Los Angeles, and that's all from my dad's side. But, like, I've seen – like, I had my uncle from my mom's side what lived down here for a long time, and we we loved hanging out with him and having him around. So you enjoy when your family comes to visit? Yeah, I've never had, like, a – I've never had like a bad. So let's assume, really. just for the sake of of a good time here, that you have an aunt. Okay. Right. Aunt Beatrice. Okay. Okay. And Auntie B, she sucks. She's terrible to be around. Okay. All right. She drinks too much. She tells crazy stories. She is just anxious about everything all the time. Right. Okay. Um. And Auntie B is going to stay with you for two days. Yay. All right. As a matter of fact, Auntie B is going to sleep in your bed, and you're going to sleep on the couch. 
Okay. Okay. So how do you deal? What do you do for two days? Now, imagine, let's just put it in in a realm that we can understand here. Let's say it's in the millennial household. Okay. So let's say your Auntie B is coming with her boyfriend. There's Auntie B and and boyfriend Jim. Okay. Okay. And they're in the millennial household. So you have me and Justin to support you. Uh-huh. But Auntie B and, and Jim are here. What do you do? Well, first, I don't think I would ever agree to them staying with me in the first place. Their house burned down. If they're that awful. Their house burned down and they have to stay with you. There's my no parents choice. live here. Their brother or sister to one of them. I'm sure they'll be willing to help them out. No, they can't. They can't. <laughs> so they it have, has they to have be food here. poisoning. It has to be you. There's no other choice. It's 48 hours of anti-B. Well, I mean, I guess I would just sit down with you and Justin and say, look, my Auntie B's coming over. She's the fucking devil. <laughs> so what I need you guys to understand, don't make any loud noises. She hates loud noises. Don't don't mention her dog Scruff. She loves that dog, and he died eight years ago. And she will be sad for the rest of the time here, and you will hate it. Hate it. <laughs> so I would just have one of those talks with you two. Okay. And then just, you know, the hope. I hope everything just goes swimmingly. Oh, you're a hoper. You just hope. Yeah. You just roll into it and just hope it's okay. I mean, what can I do? My parents have food poisoning and my Auntie B's house burnt down. Clearly, you, there's no other choice. Clearly, I have to do this. I feel that that's the best you can do with the situation you're given. I mean, what can you do, you know? Um, I am lucky enough to have chosen the poor decision in my life to begin smoking cigarettes mm, yes and the other members of my family have made better choices in their life and have not chosen to smoke cigarettes Ooh. so i believe that if i had an auntie b i would probably just go to the gas station and get like two or three packs of cigarettes mm -hmm. and just be outside all day yeah yeah i just avoid her yeah i mean I mean, I guess I would try also if she was that awful. But at the same time, it's like I can't leave my roommates do like, you, alone with her. Do you just tell everyone that you have work? And I mean, really, you don't. But you just go and sit in your truck for a few hours. No, I'd probably be here with her to make sure really? she wasn't intrusive on anybody who lived here. Oh, that's very considerate. Yeah. I would totally, I was going to say that I would do the same. For yeah. sure. Oh, totally. I definitely wasn't. I see it in your eyes. I wasn't about to explain how I would just go and watch a movie four <laughs> times and say it was an eight-hour shift. No, if I knew I had a family member coming over who was just, like, the worst, like, and knew that she would that annoy everybody the chance that she got, I would, it'd be a rough couple days, but I'd just stay here and try to keep her as there. Probably try to get her out of the house, too. You know, that's like, very considerate. I just, yeah. I just feel like that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do? Yeah. I feel like most people don't do that. Oh, well. It's, it's kind of a better you than me sort that's, of thing. That's how I was, that's how I was raised. Like, you were raised situations. that if Auntie B comes to town, that you're, it's your duty oh, yeah. to take care of her. 100%. I love it. Yeah. Just... Parents raised you well, Adam. <laughs> Thanks, Mom and Dad. Yeah, done good. Your we, kid's gonna be a star. <laughs> we know you're listening. But yeah, I don't know. That's just um, that's how I would do things. Hmm. But do you get um, like crazy freaked out 
when people come to visit you? Like, do you have to like get the house super clean and like shave and look good? I mean, yeah, I do those things. I'll do those things, but there are definitely been times that I haven't. <laughs> like, I remember it was, I believe, my brother's graduation party, and my mom had asked me to like edit this like. Oh, good job, Thomas, you know, kind of video, just to like oh, Thomas sure. through the years, right? Yeah. And, of course, I waited till the last minute to do it because that's just the Adam way. He works well under pressure. I, apparently, yes. Um, but so I did this video. I was up all night doing it. And I remember I didn't finish until like 4 or 5 a.m. Like my parents had already like been up at this point for the morning. Right? And, and everybody was scheduled to come over at like noon or 1, right? And when they came over, you know, my dad came in and was like, hey, wake up. You have family here. You know, and I was like, all right, I'll get up, you know. Fine. But I mean, I was in like a ratty brown shirt and like gym shorts. And, oh, I, yeah. you know, my hair was everywhere. And like that was a day that I just did not care. Ugh. I was like, here that's I you am. Yourself. Here's, yeah, that's how I presented myself. But usually, like, I'll dress up. Like, a lot of the times when I see family, it's always during like holidays or special occasions. It's the only so time you, we're obliged to see our family. Yeah. So you're really just dressing up anyway, you know? <laughs> I feel like but, if you see your family other than vacations, it's because there was a disaster. You either see them for momentous occasions or terrible ones. Yeah. That's it. But that's but I feel like that's just naturally kind of what what family naturally becomes as you get older and everybody kind of has their own lives going on. You it's it's knowing that comfort of like there are still people who love me and there're still people who will help me out when I have a time of need. Cuz I, I mean, oh, thank you. I, I do. Too. I've never told you that, but I've thought it often. Oh, I love you too. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks, bro. Now the whole world knows. <laughs> Adam's gay. What lies? I told you. I knew he was. Mm. <laughs> no, but I definitely have. I've definitely have had people think that before. Really? Many. Oh, many people through the years. Didn't your yes. mom? Didn't your mom ask you once if you were gay? Yes, yeah, she's asked me. I've had friends ask me. I've had like it's. I mean, it's just are, something. Are you? Hell no, I am no? not. Oh, okay. No. I thought maybe today was the day. Me, no. Trust me, you make life a whole lot easier if I could just like men, but what? no. <laughs> You're like, I would be a catch. <laughs> men love me, let me tell you. So I will say that I, I, neither am I, I'm not gay either, but I do love the gay community. Yeah, Some great. of my favorite people. Oh my God. I, li I live with them. They're great. They throw the best parties. They're clean. Mm -hmm. They're intelligent, mm -hmm. classy, sassy. Mm. All the things that I'm looking for in in a life partner is described <laughs> by a gay, gay man. Person? <laughs> yeah. The only thing is, it's just I'm not into I'm not into the penis. Yeah, it just neither. doesn't do it for me. Nope. Which me is neither. really unfortunate. But the perfect life partner would basically just be like a bro. A bro, a broski, <laughs> but without without a penis. I've heard that before. Yeah. I've just, yeah. Where do you find that? I don't know, man. Do they exist anywhere? I don't know. Maybe we just have to look harder. Maybe we'll find a girl that meets all of our boy needs. Maybe we just need to try harder at being gay. Maybe uh, we haven't tried hard enough. How about enough. no? No? No! You're not you willing to try if it brings you happiness? I just know it's not something I'm going to enjoy. So I, you could just tell. Yeah, it's like Brussels sprouts. Like yes, you don't eat them I every day, but you know you don't like Brussels sprouts. There's never, there's never even been an inkling in my mind that I just that never was want to try a Brussels sprout. No. no. 
<laughs> Which, by the way, I love Brussels sprouts. Oh, do you? But I, do. I can't stand them. They're disgusting. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love Brussels sprouts. But I love gay people, and you hate them, so. I don't hate them. <laughs> he never said I, he hated I them. Lived, he doesn't. I live with a wonderful gay man. I just think that, you know, I've always heard that if you're a renter, mm-hmm. like if you, well, not a renter, but a, um, a landlord, like mm-hmm. if you own a rental property, that the best renters to find are uh, gay couples. That they tend to take. That's like a statistic? Uh, truly, yeah. So, I, yeah, they tend to keep it um, the most well-maintained as an investment. Yeah. Yeah, look it up, guys. Not just pulling that out. It's true. Well. Look it up. Good for them. I'm happy for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The renters? Sure. The gay people, the renters. I'm everyone. Happy. I'm happy for everyone. Everyone's making making money, making friends. <laughs> That's what life's all about, making money and friends. Yes. And finding love. And finding love. Should we love. throw that in there, too? Sure. Find love, guys. Find all the love that you want. <laughs> so what else we got here? <laughs> now what? that we're done talking about gay people, I came out of left field. <laughs> I wasn't really done, but I guess I'm done now. Oh, what do you... No, else? I just get totally kidding. Would, no, no, Matthew. What no, else there's would nothing you like else. To oh, say, my God. Matthew. I was just joking, and now I'm being called out. How do you survive when... Ooh. What would you do? Or do you think... A, or what was it that you asked me earlier? Would a, could a millennial be president? I asked if you could be president. If I specifically yeah, you could specifically, be Specifically, you, Adam Hansen. You think you could do it? Yeah, so we were talking mm. about presidents and how they're always older, um, which makes sense. You know, older people have had more experience and whatnot. But we, were, we got into the topic of what if, like, a millennial, mm-hmm. like someone who's, like, 25 years old just became the president. Right. Right. And then it got me thinking, what if that person was Adam? <laughs> like, could you do it? If I had – if that was, like, a lifelong goal of mine – I feel like, yeah, I could do it. Yeah? Yeah. You could be the president. If I applied myself. Of the United States of America. Yeah. The commander-in-chief of the strongest military on earth. Not like right now, but like if, with some practice in, you know, 20, 25, 30 years. Sure. But then you're not, well, I guess you are still a millennial. Yeah. The whole point is you're the president now. Oh, as a, 20, as a fucking 27-year-old? Hell yeah. no, I could not. Why? I just couldn't. I just don't know enough about politics. There were children or... that ran whole empires back in the medieval days. Well, yeah. good for fucking them. I like to paint pictures instead. <laughs> That's what I like to do with my free time. So you just wouldn't about... want to be the president? Yeah, I just don't care. I don't care to, to learn about that kind of stuff. I learn about as um, as much of it as I can, but like I can't make my life about it. So let's assume that you were elected the president against your will. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like... 58 million Americans all wrote Adam Hansen in. I'd make it very clear about to fuck shit up. Better move so out. So what's your platform? What, what would you run on? What would you focus on? <laughs> if I one. had to run against my will? Yeah, you're the president now. You have to be. We voted you. Well, it doesn't matter what my platform is then. I clearly didn't have one. You still have one. to do if something for four years. I don't fucking know. Move out because I'm going to fuck up this country if you stay in it. <laughs> All plane tickets to anywhere out of the United States is now free. It's Just now, get the fuck out, guys. It's not in the it's Constitution. Four years. <laughs> so I thought about it, and I would totally be the president. I would, uh-huh. but I think I'd be a very poor president. I think where I would really shine is being like the vice president. Okay, because I'm not really a uh, 
a captain seat kind of guy. I don't really take the helm and lead the way, but I am an excellent, excellent right-hand man. Okay. Like, wingman, if you're looking for a wingman, it, it doesn't get any better than me. Yeah. I know exactly what to say, when to say it. I will talk you up, I'll lie, whatever. Have you wingman before? How have I like, wingman? What has been your strategy in the past for wingman? Well, you got to make the girl want the other guy. Well, yeah. And then obviously. the most important thing of wingmanning, where everyone fucks up, okay? Because uh -huh. it's easy to give compliments. You can talk your boy up, right? Super easy. The trick of a good wingman is knowing when to get the fuck out. Because at a certain point, you've done all you can do for the equation, okay? Right. You've added all the points to the scoreboard that you can get. And if you fuck around too much, you're going to start to outdo your boy. Because the girl's going to see, this guy's got all the confidence. Right. He's the wingman. I want him. Right. So you have to know to selflessly, it's hard. Especially if the chick's very beautiful. It's hard uh -huh. to do. you got to be selfless. you got to get the fuck out and give your boy that chance to shine. And then if he fucks up, you keep an eye on it, right? Because you, right. you did a lot of work. You planted a lot of seeds over there. Uh -huh. you keep an eye on it. If she walks away, well, then your boy fucked up. Then it's your turn. I had a friend in Los Angeles where, so for those who may not have figured it out, I look, I have a striking resemblance to the actor James Franco. I, he does. I get told it quite Especially often. Especially from behind. Yes. <laughs> I get told it quite often. So I used to have this friend in Los Angeles who we would go out to bars and then we'd be walking away from the bar with our drinks in hand or something. And my friend would see like a group of like three girls to our right. And he would like grab my hand and swing us over to be standing in front of them. And they'd go, hey, girls, have you met my friend James Franco? And then you just walk away. You oh, my God. Walk and away. then you'd be stuck there like, I'm, yes, I'm not. It James was Franco. a horrible way to wing man. <laughs> You're like, I, that, there's that's nothing not I can do with this situation. I'm Did you like, ever once look. just be like, I'm going to just try to be fucking Franco. I'm going to just roll with it yeah there are a couple times but like everyone knows you're not frank yeah exactly <laughs> everyone knows i look like him i am not him <laughs> you know that's that's, that's the big difference because people are expecting you to be him and, oh my gosh mm. i've when i was younger i used to play tricks on people where i would be at because uh, this was this was around um right after high school so this was like 2010 2011 for me and Franco was just starting to kind of get like, he was starting to move out of the guy from Spider-Man and turn into James Franco, right? Right. So like this was a little bit after Pineapple Express came out. Oh, great movie. And out, because of, so now I was getting to a point as I was getting older where I was starting to look more like him and because he was becoming more known, people were recognizing his face and therefore recognizing the similarities. And people would come over to party with me and we'd be drinking and he'd be like, he looks so much like James Franco. And they would take a picture of themselves with me with their phone and send it to their friend as a joke saying like, oh, I'm partying with James Franco. And the friends oh. would believe them. So then it turned into this, well, now I need you to call them and say that you're James Franco. <laughs> and you're like, dude, So, but I'm not. <laughs> but I did it. So I'd be on the phone with them and they have no clue. Like, they're, it's just on the phone. They're going to have no fucking clue what's happening. And I would be like, yeah, I came down here because we're filming Pineapple Express 2. Uh -huh. And I ran into these guys at a bar. They invited me back to their place. So we're just partying and having a good time. Just stupid shit like that. My brother used to do that too. I would get a random call from my brother and he would go, James. I'd be like, oh, this is what we're doing right this now. This is what we're doing right now. <laughs> You'd be like, hey. hey. You're like, yeah, my friend doesn't believe blah, blah. Then give him the phone. You're like, you know? well, your friend's smart. 
<laughs> um, you should try to do like double work for him. I did do double work for him. What do you mean? Yeah, I did uh, for Oz the Great and Powerful. I did double work for him. No way. Yeah. You were was, double for James Franco yeah, and Oz. I was just standing in the actual double. movie. Yeah, for the reshoots, not for the entire movie. But when they did uh, three weeks of reshoots in LA, I was his double. Yeah, got so it. Are, so you're in the movie? Yeah. No so, shit. Yeah, so just specific Adam's scenes. Adam's famous, guys. Just my back. And maybe I think the side of my face in one of them, too. But <laughs> yeah, so what happened was I was living in Los Angeles at the time. And when you're in Los Angeles trying to get, I was doing a lot of like background acting work, right? So you that's when you're just like voiceover to, and stuff? No, not voiceover. Background work is like when you are when you're watching a movie or a TV show and they're at a party and there's a bunch of other patrons at the party. Oh, like party. extras. Yeah, extras. Oh, okay, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Exactly. Yeah. And so one of the things I was subscribed to was this email list that would just send, it was called, I think, LA Casting. And they would just send you emails of like, hey, there's an audition for this. There's an audition for this. There's an audition for this. And you can't just go through like, oh, I could audition for this. Or this sounds like something I'd fit well for, you know, whatever it is. A lot of them right. were like, hey, do you have like a bratty teenage girl? We might be looking for you for an episode <laughs> we're looking of Mari. For you know? <laughs> like shit like that was a bit was a big contenders on this uh, email list. But oh, one day I got home from work. And I was going through the emails on this list. I had just gotten a job at a sports authority okay. in Los Angeles. Nice. And Moving up in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going through this email list, and all of a sudden, in all caps, one of the emails were, we need a James Franco lookalike ASAP. And I was like, well. You're like, this is my moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, well, I've only gone how much I look like this man for years now. So I went and I sent him both my headshots. I had a headshot with a goatee and then I had a headshot where I was, uh, my hair was straight and uh-huh. then I had no facial hair. And I sent him both of them and do 10 minutes. I got a call back. They're right? like, it's fucking Franco's yeah. double. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they asked me like, hey, we want to meet you. Can you come down onto the Sony lot this day or whatever? I'm like, yes, of course. Like, yes, Hell yeah, I'll be there. Absolutely, I'll do that. <laughs> and I remember I got there. I was the first one there on the Sony lot in this little place that we were meeting on the Sony lot and I was sitting there waiting and they were also they were going to be meeting with me and like four other potential doubles for Franco and as I was sitting there one of the other people who was there for the same thing walked over and I looked up from my phone and the guy looked at me and stopped and he goes well I'm not getting this job <laughs> no kidding yeah. he's like you look exactly yeah, like dead serious. well I'm not getting this job and sure enough all five it was all five of us there they literally lined us up and they had a picture of Franco in each of our headshots and they were literally just kind of like and doing like, well this, this is a no contest and they uh, they they called me and said hey we think you do it and even when they called me and said you got the job they were like wow you like you are uncannily look like James Franco that's crazy hey, that's worth people to look like yeah worst people he's to a look like. devil so they did the reshoots here and i uh, was standing double for him during those reshoots so did you get to meet any famous people oh yeah i met all of them so everyone who's on that movie so i met well, except well dude for, like mila kunis is in that movie did so you get I, met, to meet her? I met mila kunis no way yeah. i met mila kunis james franco obviously uh michelle williams was also on that zach braff Dude, uh, fuck all of those guys. How, what's Mila Kunis like? Fuck Zach Braff. He's the main guy from Scrubs. You love that show. I do love that guy, too. <laughs> He's amazing. Oh, wait, JD? You met that guy? No, uh, 
Is that the white guy? The the goofy white yeah, doctor. Yeah, yeah, the main guy. Yeah, the main guy. Yeah. You met him? Yeah, Zach Braff. Oh, That's I bet he's name. nice. So he thought I was James Franco. <laughs> We're so, telling you guys, he looks a lot like Franco. So, <laughs> and mind you, not only do I look like James Franco, but when you're on set, they go the extra mile to make you look even more like James Franco. Right. So I'm standing there. Um, and when you're a stand-in, what that means is that you stand in one place where the actor will eventually stand and read his lines, and you'll they'll tell you to look at like a pink X or something, which is where Franco will be looking, and you'll look at it for like two to three hours while they're setting up the lighting for that scene, and then the actor oh, you're comes just like, in. You're like the mannequin. They're yeah. just making it look good on you, so it looks good on and him. And then the actor will come in for like five ten minutes, and then he'll actually do the scene. But then there'll also be, uh, but as far as the double work is concerned, that's like if there's like a scene that's far away from Franco, so you can't really tell it's Franco, like I'll do that scene instead. So a lot of times it's just like establishing shots of him walking and things like that. But so I was doing that and uh, I was standing on this like yellow brick road thing they had made for the movie and I was staring Uh at this X and I kept hearing somebody from beside me yell, like, kept saying, like, James or hey, or trying to get my attention. But I had learned from my first few days on this set, if somebody tells you to look at a pink fucking X, you don't ever look away from that pink fucking X. <laughs> they will yell at you. Yeah, they absolutely will. And so, like, I'm like, sorry, bro, I can't fucking look sorry, at you. Bro. Like, <laughs> I have to look at the sex. And then finally they, you know, call for the actors to come in. And I turned and Zach Braff stated there goes, oh, shit, you're not James Franco. And he held out his hand and goes, hi, I'm Zach. And I was like, hi, I'm Adam. You know, and, That's amazing. Yeah. You touched him? I, oh, yeah, I shook his hand. Oh, wow. I shook James Franco's finger. That's he gave you a he, finger. Uh, he gave me a finger, dude. So That says a lot about his personality. When, when I first got there... The first thing they wanted me to do, even before I did any work, they wanted to actually put me next to Franco. And we even had to do this thing where, like, we put our hands out in front of us and spread our fingers. And then we put our hands on top of each other because they wanted to make sure our skin tones were very similar. Uh And so after that whole, like, thing and everybody walked away, you know, I just put out my hand and said, you know, hi, I'm, you know, Adam, pleasure to meet you. And he just, he, like, had books in his hand and, like, something in the other and, he just put out his finger and I shook that and he didn't say a word to me. He just smiled and nodded and I walked away and he didn't really oh. say much to me the whole time on set. So but, Zach Braff was definitely the better one to me. Yeah, he was, he was cool. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of interactions with a lot of like the actors. They were just like small little interactions I had with them in passing. I talked to her a little bit. Really? So the way, the way I met Does her voice really sound like that? Oh yeah. All the time? Oh yeah. She's super short though, dude. Like, She's short? Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. Super short. Wow. Like, so the first time I met her was actually my first day on set before I even did any work. I was in the makeup trailer and I had uh, long hair like I do now. But in the uh, movie, Franco has short hair, so they had to basically cut my hair to look like Franco. So I was just oh. waiting in this chair, waiting for that to happen. And as I'm sitting there and there waiting, the door slams open to the trailer, and Mila Kunis just like walked in in casual clothes and was like, "When the fuck is?" She said something like, "When the fuck is called time?" Like somebody <laughs> told me this, and this person told me this, <laughs> and you know, it's it, everybody got makeup in this same room. So there are times I'm getting my makeup done, and Franco's sitting to my left, and Mila Kunis is sitting to my right. You know, that is incredible, dude. Yeah, it was a cool. You, t- you talk about it so nonchalant. Well, does, does it lose its luster on like day three? 
so not just working on the sets, but at least for me, just living in Los Angeles made the whole thing kind of lose its luster. You probably did. You meet like any other famous, like you meet a good amount of famous people. So it's not that you meet a good amount of famous people. It's that when you're in some place like Los Angeles, it's hard not to run into them. Uh, so at first they just you live there yeah work there. so at first you think it's this kind of grandioso thing of like oh my gosh that's this person and then all of a sudden a week later it happens again and then that same week it happens again and you're like, then oh, you're it's just, just bill getting donuts yeah like, like whatever like i used to work at a sushi restaurant when i first moved there on beverly hills right oh, really and there was one time i was uh working and you just saw russell brand just walk down the street you know, like just he's 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 a he's a uh, he, you know, who he is. He's a comedian. He has the, he always talks like this. He was married to Katy Perry. Oh, yeah. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's easy to tell. Yeah. Too. So I just so he was just like walking on the I sidewalk in Beverly Hills. Hilarious. Right. Or like one time I was working at a shoe store in a mall and like it was super early in the mall. The stores were just opening and Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park and his kids <gasps> like just walked past. That's amazing. You know, so you end up I was in Guitar Center once and Ed Helms from The Office like showed up in there and was just playing on the instruments. He's a musician. So like once that all happens, it's like, yeah, it just kind of loses its uh, luster. And then when you're on uh, a set like Oz the Great and Powerful you know that that was also that it was also kind of an instance that I think deterred me a little bit from the film industry at that point, because there was just so much hot-headedness and arrogance that I dealt with on that set that I was mm-hmm. just like I would never. When you get like, to that level, this. it's probably hard to not think that you're in a different realm. You know what I mean? Right. Especially exactly. when you're like the director of Oz. Well, and I can was, see that guy. But being. there were certain things that just little things that bothered me. So Sam Raimi was the director. Uh, Sam Raimi is the guy who did the original Evil Dead. And he was also the guy who did the original Spider-Man trilogy with Tobey Maguire. Mm. So. Oh, yeah. He's great. He's uh well, he's he's done <laughs> hip movies, though. He's a, he's he's no. You know, he's small, better than me, for he's sure. Not, he's not so a rock small on. time director at all. Yeah, for sure. But and this is a Disney film. So it's not like this is a cheap movie at, either that you're on set with. And there were just little things like there was a shot that we did where it was James Franco walking from like we had this giant yellow brick road. Right. It, right. it was covered and everything else was covered in blue screen. And he was walking down this yellow brick road, and then he would, like, uh, when they yelled cut, he did this, like, funny little walk stride thing once back to the other side, right? Something that if you or I or Justin or anybody watched would have been, like, chuckle-worthy, right? Now, mind you, there's, like, 50 to 100 crew members, and everybody's laughing like the leader of North Korea just made a joke, and you have to laugh. <sighs> like, it felt so oh, fake, wow. like, so fake. Is it because like, he expects them to laugh? He's like, you'll laugh at me. I don't know if it's... Or they're ex- just butt-kissing. I, I think it's just butt kissing. I think wow. it's you keep the actor happy because the actor's really the one that leads the movie. Yeah. But so there were things like that. Uh, Sam Raimi, the director, could never get my name right. Adam? And, yeah. yeah. I Adam. kept getting called Alan. And the thing is, it's like, okay, fine. I get it that. He was making it harder. He was adding letters to your name. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, but like, so you're getting. Uh, 
So like things like that bother me, but you can't, you know, and like the first few times I'd be like, Adam, you know, but then it'd turn into what, you know, and I'd be like, Adam, so now you're the one wasting time by correcting the director. So, so after a while, you just, oh, I'm Alan. Yeah, All exactly. Right. They call and then, Alan, and I'm coming. Yeah, and that bothered me. It's like, to me, it's just regardless of who I am, it's disrespectful, you know? Well, I mean, time is literally millions of dollars in Hollywood. Well, so. well, and I get that, but that's that's the difference of how I would want to run a film set later on. I mean, time is literally life or death in the military and right. they'll get your name right. Well, uh, so you exactly. would think that, you know, Hollywood you know, film set get your name right. I worked with an assistant director too that was just an asshole. He had like such a he had this dry sense of humor that was like if you didn't get it, fuck you. Oh my. Kind of thing. And it was like, and remember, I was on this set. How dare you not understand my yeah. joke? Well, there was there was a time he told me that, remember, at this point, I've worked on a lot of sets. And there was a time that he told me, like, hey, don't be sitting down. Like, don't sit down, right? Uh-huh. But I've already worked with this guy for a few days now to know this guy has a really dry sense of humor. So, And he said it in a way that could have been construed as a joke for him. Right. You know? So I was just, like, joking back of, like, yeah, okay, you know, I'm going to keep sitting down. Yeah. And eventually it wasn't a joke anymore. Oh, he was really telling and, you to go do something. And he was like, but there's nothing for me to do as a stand-in except stand there and wait for when they need he did not me. want you to be sitting he down. did not want me to be sitting this was the first time i ever worked on with that that was not okay interesting yeah so then i was told to get lost by him oh no kidding you know and then like things like later on like there was a point where there was the actress michelle williams who had to like had to like climb up this little like these stair things with like her dress and like and i'm standing at my point over you know like further up on this thing and the guy like made a comment of like 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 a man would hold a, like a girl's hand to help her up the stairs or whatnot. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I've been only yelled at for the past two weeks about God forbid if my eyes go a little yeah, left. Yeah, like this is not an improv fucking, session. Yeah, you know, I'm it's doing like, what you told me to and do. And now like you're telling me to move after I've just been told for two weeks to not fucking move. Like, come on, like so. It was damned if you do, damned if you don't. So yeah, so going back to like why I talk about it a little nonchalantly, it's just because like it was a cool opportunity just not the funnest experience yeah it was it was definitely work yeah you know and whereas i was hoping that maybe something could come from that and i'd be used for maybe franco's double in the future but like there was a point when franco did a uh, commercial soon after that and instead of asking me who lived in los angeles they asked for this guy lived in Michigan. Oh my god! To like fly down and that's do ridiculous. It. Yeah, so just stupid shit like that. The politics of the industry just are that. They're politics. I guess the grass is always greener, right? And then you get there and realize it's not exactly what we thought it was. Yeah, but I mean, like, but I'm glad I had that experience. It was, you know, it was. I did have fun points, and it was cool to be able to say I at least had that experience. It's something most but, people don't get to do. Yeah, it's really exactly. Cool. And I keep that in mind, and I'm very thankful that I had it. But it did open my eyes to a lot of things, and that's probably a good thing that it did. Honestly, you know? well, now you're doing it for yourself. Adam. Now I'm doing it for myself, and we'll and for you guys. So. Now you guys get to be a part of. Adam being famous. Yes. (laughs) I'm glad you could join me on this journey. Well, we've gone uh, 10 minutes over today. Yeah, we got into the... Adam was telling some stories today, guys. That was fun. Um, Well, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, we'll end it here. Uh, Remember, you can follow us on all the social media platforms. 
uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Check us out on YouTube. Uh, stay tuned within the next week for another video coming your way. Um, and remember, we do still have the GoFundMe going. Uh, GoFundMe.com forward slash Hardly Millennial. If you're able to put a dollar in the jar, it's greatly appreciated. It helps and, a lot, uh, guys. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, keep doing what you've been doing. Liking, subscribing, and most importantly, just share it with your friends, guys. That's the mm -hmm. biggest help you can do. Yep, and uh, we appreciate all the views and all the subscribers we get. And we hope you enjoyed today's Hardly Millennial podcast. More than just Hardly. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye, guys.